Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. For now, we hope you enjoy this message from our special guest minister. Thanks for tuning in today. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit of the living God, you are the only one that can deliver it. You are the only one that can impart the truth of this word into us and through us. So, Father, I thank you and praise you what you are going to do in us and desire to do through us. Father, I pray a blessing over each and every soul here tonight. Thanking you and praising you, Lord God, that we have the opportunity, the privilege to be here. And, Father, we say we are here from you. Bless your word. Do what only you can do. In Jesus' Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Let's get into the title. Let's go. The Benefits of Discipleship, Part 2. Yesterday in the service, delivering the Word of God, the purpose was to stir up our gifts again, to stir up the importance of discipleship, to create an enthusiasm, if you will, a sense of urgency for discipleship, to become a disciple and to disciple others. So the purpose is for disciples making disciples, okay? So tonight, I'm going to begin with a short recap of some simple definitions that I mentioned yesterday, but I'm gonna add a little bit more to them. I'm going to do a quick recap of the three stages of salvation, and I'm going to build more teaching into that tonight, which will lead us into rewards, the benefits of discipleship. And we are also gonna talk about judgment, what happens to us, because I wanna get us into an eternal mindset instead of focusing on earthly things. That was what Jesus was trying to do with the disciples and everybody he talked to. He said, you all keep living from this perspective. And I'm trying to get you to have an eternal perspective and understanding of the word so you can live in persevering faith, enduring faith, knowing that we are just visitors here. We're not staying. Everything we create here will be gone and pass away. There's nothing wrong with things, but he keeps telling him that is not going to remain. You keep looking to me, disciples, to restore your health and your wealth and all these earthly things. He said, I'm not here to do that. He said, I am here to teach you about the kingdom because they're afraid. They're fearful. They don't want Jesus to leave because the earthly wealth, the earthly health, the earthly kingdom, their temples, that was not restored. And Jesus says... I care about what happens to you here on earth, but here you're gonna have many trials, many tribulations. This is not your eternal home. He said, if I can get you to live from an eternal perspective, you will be powerful, you will be strong, you will be working for the prize, you will be running the race for eternal life and the promises that I have waiting for you up there that will last forever. Can you say amen? Amen. So let's do a recap. Simple definitions, I'm going to simplify them because as Pastor so eloquently said, sometimes we just don't know what these words mean. They're big words and they have no meaning. If we cannot have the revelation of the word, there's no transformation. Disciple, the Greek term from disciple, for disciple in the New Testament is mathetes, which means, don't even worry about that word, more than just a student or a learner. A disciple is a follower who adheres completely to the teachings of the principles of God's word, making them their rule of life and conduct. 
So that's a disciple. We are disciplined learners and we are students of the word who live it out. We follow Christ and then we serve by making disciples. Discipleship. It's the process of spiritual growth that produces a transformed life. A life of holiness, righteousness, and service unto God for his glory. So it's the process of discipleship that will make you holy. Let's talk about holiness for a minute. Let's define holiness in a simplistic term. Holiness means to be set apart from this world and to be set unto service unto God. So holiness is a result of the discipleship process. Now, before we get into some more of these terms and definitions, let's recap on the three stages of salvation and build these terms in. Salvation is this. First of all, it is a benefit of discipleship. Salvation happens because of discipleship. We said that before. Pastors wouldn't be pastors unless somebody sent a message to them. They heard the gospel. The Holy Spirit came alive inside of them. They realized their gifts. You realized your gifts. There wouldn't be a church here. Salvation is always a result of discipleship. We wouldn't be saved without discipleship. The first stage of salvation is this. The past. So the first stage of discipleship is I was dead in sin. And then when a messenger came and told me the good news and I received the good news and I confessed that my faith in Jesus Christ, then I became alive in Christ. So the past part of me was here's my past. I was dead in sin, but now I'm alive in Christ. So the first thing is the penalty of sin was taken away. The penalty of sin is taken away. The second stage of salvation is the present. Here's why I want to rest, because this is the stage of salvation that we're living in. Because salvation is not a one and done prayer that we do here at the altar and I'm saved and that's it. So this is the stage of salvation that we continue in until Jesus calls us home. He returns or until we go into eternity. Let's simplify that. That's all it means. The present means... Stage of salvation means I die to the power of sin. I die to the power of sin. I am free from the power of sin, and this happens through sanctification. This is where that word comes in, sanctification. So what does sanctification mean? Sanctification is the process by which the believer is separated from sin and becomes dedicated to God's righteousness. It's a daily spiritual habit or discipline that the believer develops and practices in their daily life. I'm reading these because I want to stay on track and I want to keep these simple. This results, sanctification, listen, sanctification results in holiness. It results in holiness. So sanctification empowers you to pull yourself out of the world. Sanctification changes your mind. It renews your mind through the word of God. Sanctification results in holiness or purification from the guilt and power of sin. Isn't that great news? This is accomplished by the word of God and the Holy Spirit. 
So the word of God being washed in the word through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the discipleship process of us coming together. A disciple teaches a, a per, another person the word of God and the Holy Spirit ignites in them and there's this wondrous working power. Have you ever heard of that? That's sanctification. That's salvation. That's experiencing salvation. When you experience the wondrous working power of God, that's when you heed to this, you commit to becoming a disciple, and you say, yes, I want to learn the word of God. I want to be mentored. I want to be taught. Get this word in me so the power can become alive, so I can be free from sin. I can be healed. I can be whole. I'm empowered to, to be able to resist him temptation. I'm empowered to pray. I'm empowered to learn the word of God because the Holy Spirit says that he will teach me the word. He will teach me the truth about all things. So what you learn in an exchange between another person becomes alive inside of you and becomes part of you. It completely transforms you. It is impossible to come to Jesus Christ, be discipled, and have the power of the living word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit in you and you not be radically transformed. Radically transformed. Completely transformed. It means when you see me up here and I start to tell you about my past, you should be like... I can't even, that was you? You really did those things? I did them. I did them all. I'm not going to go into the whole thing. I did it all. I was living wild. I was living crazy. I was bad. I lost custody of my three kids from active addiction, alcoholism. I was shacking up with men. I wasn't living right. I was divorced and I tore my kids apart and I shredded their hearts because I wouldn't listen and I would not commit to becoming a disciple. Boy, I could sure run to the altar. I was running in and out of church, in and out of church. Then I was mad because I wouldn't change and then I stayed away from God for 10 years and I shook my fist at him. God doesn't work. God doesn't work. Now I'm saved. I'm forgiven. The power of the guilt my God, that held me captive, that would keep me drinking, that would keep me using drugs, the power of memories in my mind. Jesus healed my memories because they don't hold me hostage anymore. I remember what was done and what I did, but they no longer have power over me. That's a benefit of discipleship. My marriage is restored. Daryl is my third husband. I am not proud of that. Unto the glory of God. That's how the power, because he would have been my third and I would have been on to the fourth. Are you with me? Thinking that, well, it was just the wrong man. It's just the wrong woman. It's just the wrong situation. I was wrong. It's the wrong that's in me. And the benefit of discipleship came in. Restored our marriage and God restores a marriage by restoring the people in the marriage. Those of you who came to the marriage conference, you've heard me teach it and preach it. There's nothing wrong with marriage. We don't have marriage problems. We have people problems that bring them into the marriage. Once people get right and they say, disciple me all day long. I want you to interrupt my schedule. I want you to make me busy. I pray for those words. I want to be discipled. Pastor Tracy, I want you to help us. I'm willing to be discipled. Make me busy all day long. 
but you travel, but you travel. I still disciple people. This is my spiritual gift that's coming out. The worship team has spiritual gifts here. They can sing. You don't want me doing that. Lord, stay in your lane. Don't try to be anybody else. It is okay. All right. But everybody's called to disciple. I have people that stay in my home. I go. I answer calls at night. Not every call. I have boundaries. And we're going to train you and teach you how to disciple people. Because Jesus trained and, and taught people. But see, this is one spiritual gift that I have. Discipleship's a corporate gift that's asked unto all of us. There's a corporate ask, and there's an individual ask, and we're all supposed to work alongside each other in the body of Christ as a family. The church is supposed to be active, active. We are supposed to be winning the fight, amen. But see, we gotta get up out of the seats. We have to be willing to say, make me busy. I mean, we're already busy. Everybody's busy. Who's not busy? But see, we learn to schedule ourselves to be productive. We learn to make room. Amen. This is the sanctification process. This is where we live. We listen, we learn, and we live. We listen, we learn, and we live. The power of the word of God in you is what will set you free because it's who the, the word of God is. It's the living word. It's the Holy Spirit. Holiness. We talked about that. I want you to remember in the second stage where we're all living right now, those of us who are living and breathing right now, the presence of sin is still here. That's why we have to die to sin, the power of sin daily. This is why this is a daily walk in Christ. That's why you need to be in, in the word. There's so much greatness. You will love the time in the word of God when you get discipled and the Holy Spirit comes in you and you start to really have communication with God. This is not a death sentence. This is not a Pastor Tracy sentence. Go home and read your Bible. You know how it can feel like that? Read your Bible, get the word, go to church, pray, and you're just like, enough already. But when you start experiencing the benefits, my goodness, and the relationship becomes alive inside of you, it's power, it's incredible, it's amazing. Pastor Mike will be teaching a word up here on Sunday from a corporate perspective, and you will start to get personal details from a corporate word. Amen. Come on, somebody. Become note takers. Now I'm going to say something a little harsh and I don't know some of you, I'm just going to share a secret. I'm a little bold. I just, I know that shocks y'all. My personality is a little strong. Don't be on your cell phone in church. Can you imagine God sitting in front of you and you're Scrolling, liking, scrolling, liking, answering text messages, and God's trying to talk to you? I'm just saying, come on. Can we, can we be mature enough to hear the word? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's not. That's baby stuff. This is some of the stuff Paul would address. <laughs> but Paul, if he was your pastor, he would come in like, you fools. Those of you who are mature in the word, you know he was talking to the church in Galatia. That's how that pastor addressed them. Huh, how friendly is that? You fools, how could you fall off so quick? What's wrong with you? What took you off your course? Who has bewitched you? I mean, Paul just laid it out. 
so just don't look on your cell phone. Only open your cell phone to take notes. Every believer should take notes. And let me tell you why. Because the corporate word is preached here, and many people will say to me, Pastor Tracy, you don't understand the word of God. Take notes, whatever sticks out at you. Make sure you write down every scripture that is mentioned in the service. Then you take it home, and that's your Bible study for the whole week. Because the Holy Spirit has planted you here. See, we think we choose our church. We really don't. And this man of God and this woman of God has been anointed and appointed. This is their life assignment. So the word rests right here for you. So the word that's being taught in this church is to penetrate your heart, strengthen you, and then to go out into your community and change your community. That's how the whole world changes. So let me bring to your attention the cell phone thing, the issue thing. This we have to be careful of, is that you're not listening to this one at 9 a.m. and this one at 10 a.m. and you're listening to 20 different preachers and 10 different teachings and not being able to capture any truth. Yeah. It's too much, it's information overload, which society is on anyway, it's a distraction. There's nothing wrong with other people. To, I'm not saying you should never pick up another book or you should never listen. But when you don't receive the word of God that's anointed and appointed for you in the house of God that the Holy Spirit tells you to get rooted and planted and grounded in, come on. You're not going to be unified in the word. This family of Christ is not going to be unified. You won't be able to change and transform, and you won't be able to go out and affect your community. Be mindful of that. Sanctification process. We have to be present. In the present, we're being sanctified, and he has anointed and appointed a pastor from a corporate position. That's one ministry of the word. So we come to church. That's one form. The second form is discipleship, because you're being discipled from a corporate perspective on Sunday. You're being invited into the family of God. I want to talk to you about a demand on your faith because this is part of that stage of salvation. Jesus put the demand on the people to respond to him. He didn't go chasing after people. He didn't coddle people. He didn't try to entertain them or win them with certain things or prizes. He didn't have to wear himself out trying to just make everything perfect and please everybody. No. You know how he invited people? Hey, Peter, drop everything. Come follow me. Come on, just leave your living. Leave everything. Just drop it. Come and follow me. Are you willing? Because the word of God says that discipleship will cost you everything. Hanging in sanctification. I'm building on this. It'll cost you everything. But there's something. Peter had an encounter with Christ. That power caused him to say, I'm going to live from an eternal perspective. Now, yes, he had to work. All the disciples worked. I'm not saying you just drop your job and say, oh, I don't have to work. But there was something when, they have, when you have an encounter with Christ, there's evidence that you will drop off things that you thought that mattered so much before and you will put Christ first. A disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ, puts Christ first, amen, through that experience of God. And that means you're sharing Christ in the workplace. And sometimes that means majority of time through your behavior, how you're acting, what they're seeing in you in the workplace. Your mission field is the workplace. 
So you should be praying for people, thinking about people there, doing these different things and giving back. The church should be active everywhere. That's why Jesus said, I have to go away so the Holy Spirit can come inside of you so you can do greater things than me. He's not necessarily talking about greater miracles. I don't know a greater miracle than raising people from the dead. I don't know. That was pretty good. I was impressed by that one. So what he's meaning is this. You are going to have an impact The Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was upon them. Jesus, when he came, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit was with them. He says, I have to go because you need to take this message unto all the world. So now we're living in the present. Present time is Holy Spirit living in me. The very power that raised Christ from the dead is alive inside of you and me to go out, come on somebody, and make an impact. We should be fully alive. There should be an urgency. You should be excited. Every person in here has a gift. Don't you want to know what it is? Don't you want to discover and develop and be participating everywhere? Don't you want to see lives changed, set free? There's nothing like it. You should be on fire for God. Amen. That's a benefit of salvation. That's a benefit of discipleship, which salvation is a benefit of discipleship. Because the word of God says that God planted eternity in our hearts. Do you know why? That's why the soul is never satisfied. Do you know that? The soul, he created the soul to never be satisfied because he never wants us to be satisfied with one soul being saved. He never wants us to be satisfied witnessing one miracle. It's not enough. It's never enough. But see, when the soul is not discipled and empowered by the Holy Spirit in the word of God, it wants more money. It wants more lust. It wants another different woman. It wants another different man. It wants more of this. And it wants, maybe this will fulfill me. Maybe that'll fulfill me. Most of the depression that's happening in today's world is number one, brokenness. Because we talked about this earlier today is brokenness. Why is there so much brokenness in the world today? Because there's lawlessness, because people will not serve and follow God. So what we're seeing is a result of generations passed down. We see the moral depravity just being slung and flung everywhere. We're seeing the result of broken homes and broken lives. We're reaping the fruit. I'm not judging or condemning anybody because I was part of that train. Come on. I was divorced twice. I went through all of that. I crushed my kids. That's not an easy thing to say. And family restoration, still walking that path out. But God is good and he's doing it and he's doing it. And I'm restored to my sons today and they love me and I love them and it's awesome. But see, we got to get to a place where discipleship becomes number one. Discipleship has to be number one. God will restore wherever you're at, whatever you've done, whatever's happened to you or whatever was done through you, he is a restorer. And he will do that through the discipleship process. You'll learn how to pray. You'll learn how to believe. You'll learn how to believe for your children, even if you don't have custody of them and you can't see them and you don't know where they're living and you don't know where they are. This is my situation. So Christian women got around me and they taught me what enduring faith meant. They taught me how to pray the power of God. Tracy, you can still have an impact on their life without being in their presence because you can usher in the presence of God wherever 
whatever they are, because God cannot be contained and he loves those boys more than you do. So you pray, God, make sure you've got them. God, make sure. And you know what happens? He sends his angels to flight. I can't get into the whole explanation. Lord knows I want to. There's power in your prayers. Revival happens when prayer and preparation and the Holy Spirit of the living God has full permission, full permission to do what only he can do through his word. When the word is revived inside of his people, when prayer goes forth because it ushers everything in, prayer is like preparing the ground and preparation. We got to be prepared in the word. We have to be a prepared people in order to experience the power of revival. Revival is not a style. Revival is not a jumping and shouting and a yoo-hoo, yoo-hoo for three months and then it dies. You with me? It's not a style. It's not a style. It's a life change. It's the church rising up. Sanctification. That's where we live. That's how we're supposed to live. Number three, the future. Perfection. The future. Third stage. Perfection. Those of you, all of us, all of us who have gone before, I'm gonna pull back a minute. Those of us who have lost loved ones, our flesh grieves and cries out. Here's the hope of glory. Here's what the Bible teaches us. What's the hope of glory? What is truth in this word of God? that gives you the power to endure something so horrible like all of us have experienced. The hope of glory is you know that they are in a much better place than we are. They're living in stage number three. Stage number three. Even in the worst situations, they're living in perfection. Their every promise of God is they're living out, they're living in for all eternity. They're in the, the best place. And we use discernment when we're talking to people because you gotta love on people and you gotta hug on people. Can't just kind of beat them up with the word, even though it's true. But we use discernment with the Holy Spirit. But that's the hope of glory. Study the hope of glory. Study the hope of glory. Study the hope of glory. Can't go there. You notice everything that I've, I'm giving you these two days is just an overview and then we move on. It's an overview and then we move on because everything I'm mentioning is a full teaching in and of itself. It's a series because we're never done with this word. It never stops teaching. It never stops revealing. Discipleship is a lifelong awesome process. Amen with all the benefits. So let's talk about some of those. Let's do a recap of that. See, discipleship right now, do you remember John the Baptist? He prepared the way for the first coming of Jesus. We are called as the church to prepare the way for the second coming of Jesus. And Jesus is doing that through his church, through discipleship. And the benefits of salvation, which is a benefit of discipleship, let's look. Number one, salvation. A message was sent to you by God, you were saved. Delivered from the power of sin, the power of guilt, the power of shame, the power. You can love right and live right now. Come on, somebody. I didn't say perfect, but it bothers you when you're not right. And you'll be quick to say, I'm sorry. Come on. 
Delivered from the penalty of sin means my sins will never be held against me. I will never have to pay the price, nor will you, brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus took it. He paid the price. He wrote the big check, and on it said, paid in full. They belong to me. I redeemed you. You belong to me. The penalty is paid. One day, stage number three, will be delivered from the presence of sin. Praise the Lord. Where every promise comes true. Number five, you become free, holy holy and set apart for God's service. Today in the modern day church, we just want to be free. I just want to get my blessing. I just want to get my blessing. I just want to get my blessing. I just want success in my business. I want to tithe and I want the hand of God and not the heart of God. See, I want to tithe because I want my business to grow and then we don't see people anymore. They're too busy in the business, which yeah, we have to work hard, but see, that's that earthly perspective that's that earthly person we're given to get, that's not what Jesus taught. Now you're gonna get so much more. He is gonna bless you according to his will and his desire for you. He's gonna bless you. And he gives people the ability to get wealth. So my question is, what are you doing with, with the growth and the success and the goodness? How is it partnering with the kingdom of God? How is it partnering with the kingdom of God? Because now it's time to, I'm getting set free. I'm experiencing the miracle. I'm experiencing the benefits. But I'm supposed to be blessed to be a blessing. See, I'm supposed to have benefits. That big new house, that big that we decorate, that we we cook things, whatever the case may be. Are you willing to open your home? Can people come in there every now and then? Will you house discipleship meetings? Will you help the body of Christ grow? Will you answer the call of God on your life, number six? You live in purpose where fulfillment is experienced. Brokenness was number one. I was talking about anxiety and depression. Number two, it's because people are not living out their God-given purpose. It brings darkness. It brings depression. You're not fulfilled because we were created to experience spiritual things and we're chasing after earthly things, trying to fill the spiritual thing and we're empty and depressed and dark or that feeling of something's missing. I'm just never satisfied. I'm never okay. I'm never okay. That call, I I always want more. I always want more. It's never satisfied. You're frustrated. You're confused. I want more, I want more. You start working for the kingdom of God and that place in you, that God space that only he can fill is going to be satisfied in you. You're not gonna wanna chase. I think you said it yesterday, Pastor Mike. I think you said one of the quickest ways to get out of sin is to help somebody else or you feel like you have to have your miracle first before you can help somebody else. Ha, you end up helping somebody else and getting your miracle. Come on, somebody. Ooh, that's a good word. I feel a sermon in there for you on that one. Just, I'm pasting that on you. Just Number seven, persevering faith. This is active faith, not just a confession of faith. And I'm going to read this. This is genuine faith that overrides fear, anxiety, disappointments, tragedies. Hear me. Persevering faith. It survives and overcomes the unthinkable. This is faith that says, God, I know you're good all the time even when the unthinkable has just happened. God, I know you're good because there's nothing in your flesh that feels good. That is genuine faith. That's persevering faith. That's faith that happens through the discipleship process. You can stand. It's not gonna take you back. You don't turn away from God. You don't walk away from him. You don't walk away from church. 
Persevering faith means you experience church hurt. Hello, can I give you a little banner? You're all gonna experience church hurt. Come on. More than once, twice, 10 times. Why? Because we're a family and families have dysfunction. We are imperfect people that serve a perfect God, so we have to mature in faith so we know how to settle these issues so you don't walk out of church because the cocoa is not good in the cafe. Help us, Jesus. <sighs> or they didn't sing the right song on Sunday. Oh, okay, I'm going. All right, number nine. I'm sorry, number eight, the hope of glory. Knowing that all of the promises of God are true and my prayers that line up with the word of God are always yes and amen, but listen, hear me. That means we understand the word of God from an eternal perspective, not an immature faith. Immature faith thinks that we get to experience all the promises of God here on earth. We don't. We get to experience some of them. But see, the promises, follow me for a minute, this is the whole teaching, but watch. If our prayers are yes and amen, what does that mean? That means if what we don't get to experience here on this side on earth, we get to experience on this side of heaven, on the other side of heaven. It's not a matter of if the promise is yours, it's only a question of where you get to experience it. Amen? That's it. That's what it's about. See, because when we don't understand the truth of the word, we get out our little cards and we, our prayers become idols and we get caught, we get stuck. Why isn't this working? Why isn't this happening? Why did tragedy hit? This doesn't make sense, it doesn't because we live in a sinful fallen world where the presence of sin is real. We're gonna to have to endure tragedy. We're gonna to have to learn how to endure and persevere. We're gonna to have to learn how to tarry and walk through things that we don't get evacuated out of. Because many times our prayers are prayers for evacuation. Get me out of this. Lord, change my husband. Get him out of this, because you know there's nothing wrong with me. I pray for that man, I can, you know, Lord. Fix him, change him. We want to be evacuated out of things. Especially the hard, hurtful things. My child is lost. God, why would you find him? We, gotta we have to learn how to have a persevering and enduring faith that believes. And there's a whole teaching on that that will let you learn how to live in the power of God so you don't lose yourself in the midst of those hard things. Nine and 10, maturity. I wanna talk about maturity and I wanna talk about church expressions now. I wanna to read to you 2 Timothy chapter four. Pastor already read to us Hebrews five. So I'm gonna read 2 Timothy chapter four where Paul is saying, he's teaching Timothy. You know, Timothy's a young guy. Some think he was a teenager and he's called the pastor of church. We think we need to be 30 to disciple people or have a theology degree. Peter, they were fishermen. They weren't schooled, they weren't learned. This is a kid. He's like, get up, you're called, go pastor a church. Drop your nets, come on, follow me. Can we be that church, amen? Hallelujah, be ready, he says. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Verse two, preach the word of God. Be prepared. Whether the time is favorable or not, some translations say be prepared to preach the word in season or out. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Patiently. 
Discipling people takes patience. Verse three, for a time is coming, hear this, let's hear this, let's hear this, please, let's hear this. For a time is coming, which is right now, the present day stage we're living in, when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. We can't get people to stay awake for more than 30 minutes in church. Pastor, we, we gotta scrunch down the time. We got people are like, can't handle it. We used to sit under the word three, four, and we were like this. I mean, I had my pen and paper. I wouldn't dare show up to church without a pen and paper. Get used to feeling this. Get used to flipping through these pages because you're gonna write stuff in here. Look, I got stuff all up in here. Get used to feeling the pages because that cell phone, that's great when you wanna look up stuff, but come on. Old school needs to be new school, all school, all school, all the time school. Amen, come on. Notebook, paper, let's get ready. Come expecting. I come expecting to hear the word of God. When I'm in the presence of people who love Jesus, I'm expecting. I'm stirred up. Come expecting. Come expecting. Because there's a time which is now. People aren't listening to wholesome teaching. He says this. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Whatever satisfies the flesh. Condone sin. No, it's all right. You don't have to. It's all right. Oh, we just love you. Yeah, we love you enough to tell you the truth. Because whatever God's calling you out of, it's because he's got his best waiting for you. Let me tell you right now, he loves you right where you're at, but he doesn't want you to stay where you're at. Because this, isn't, this doesn't fit you anymore. You got to take off your old self, which means you have to participate. The demand of faith is on me to obey, to listen, learn, and obey. So the Lord is saying... To us as his people, the word of God has to become alive inside of you. The word of God has always been assaulted. Try to be twisted. That's why Paul is laboring. He's upset with the disciples in every church. Ephesus, he's upset. Galatia, he's upset. The Corinthians, he's really upset there. He got some stuff to say in there. He, to the point where they want to kick him out, he's defending himself. Why? Because false teachers came in and got their ear, started promising them, oh, if you just put 100 bucks in the bucket, God will give you a million point two. God's going to return 100. Mm, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Believe that stuff, you'll fall away from God. Yeah. Believe that stuff, you're going to start getting a heart and heart. See, because a teaching will start out good and then it always falls off the rails somewhere. A false teacher will pick it up and it'll fall off the rails and it'll go way off the track, rail, way off the track. Why does the enemy want that to happen? Because if the truth is compromised and if the truth is not taught, it breaks down our faith. It breaks down our ability to live out the Christian life and power because the truth is now becoming a lie inside of us. Sin becomes living inside of us once again. The power of the Holy Spirit is shut out because he only responds to truth. You with me? Paul is saying, you better be listening to the right stuff. You better be listening. For a time is coming when people, we read it. Verse four, they will reject the truth and chase after myths. I want to live according to, I want to pick and choose the parts of the Bible that I want to live by. I didn't like that one, so I want to tear out that page, but I'm good. It's okay. No, 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 no. See, that's what modern day society says. That's conforming to the world, not being transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
I want you to hear this part. We're going to skip down a little bit to verse 9. Paul's final words. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Here's a personal part. Damas has departed me because he loves the things of this world and has gone to Thessalonica. This is what I want you to hear because this will happen to you when you're discipling people. This is what will happen to you when you're serving God. So be, we have to be mature in faith. It's, you're going to get hurt. Things are going to happen. But watch how Paul deals with it. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring my coat. I left with Carpus at Troas. So he's sending out people, meaning he's all alone. Also bring my books and especially my papers. Verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, but the Lord will judge him for what he has done. Meaning he's forgiven and he's turning over the Lord. He says, I don't have time to be caught up in offense. I don't have time to be caught up in judgment. I don't have time to be caught up in this because I have to be caught up in his work and he'll deal with it. Verse 15, be careful of him for he fought against everything we said. Uh, this will happen to pastors where people will try to turn against them. Lies start telling lies, start telling this, start telling stories, start telling lies about the congregation. We have to be quick to discern these things and shut them down. This causes poison and division in the body, verse 16. The first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Paul's saying, I'm strong enough. Even if no one comes with me, I'm strong enough in my faith because the word of God is that even if no one comes with me, everybody abandoned me. May it not be counted against them. He's forgiving them. Like, who said that? Jesus said, forgive them for they know not what they do. I'm talking about the power of forgiveness. That's a whole discipleship teaching. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. And he rescued me from certain death. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. 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 It will happen. Let's go to the purpose of the church, and we're getting ready to close here with rewards after the purpose of the church. And it's going to be quick. Let's start with the purpose, what it is not. The church is not here to entertain us. The church is not here to make us comfortable, meaning... You should expect to come and feel uncomfortable on Sundays or every time the word of God is preached. It's called conviction. We're constantly growing and God is constantly trying to better us. We shouldn't be comfortable in these seats every Sunday. It shouldn't be a, a woo, praise the Lord message of everything I get. But conviction is a praise the Lord message every time, isn't it? Because you, I want God to call me out because I don't want anything in me that's not of him. When he's calling you out, that's the greatest form of love. Parents, why do you discipline your children? Because you know they're going the wrong way. You know it's gonna hurt them. Will you please listen to me? I'm trying to develop character in you. I'm trying to get you to see a standard because if you get into this mess, you call your kids out because you want the best for them. So every time you come in here and you're not feeling good and you don't like Pastor Mike, I know you love me, but when you don't like him, 
assist him? Praise God for that. Take a note. You know what? I don't like that because. Take a note of that. The church is not here to chase us. The church is not here to do all the work for us. Amen? Amen. What is the church here to do? The church is here to convict us. Amen? Which calls us into change. Change us to be more like Christ. To equip us. To challenge us. You should be challenged in these seats. And encourage us. When I came yesterday, I was counting how many opportunities that were extended. This church is rich and full of resources. And if you feel offended or like you don't fit in, I'm just gonna give you another truth bomb right here. And you don't feel like you fit in or whatever the case may be or nobody invited you, you're not trying. You haven't committed yourself and let me explain why. Let me explain why. The moment people walk in here, there's beautiful people that greet at these doors. They welcome you. They say hello. Amen. You are welcomed from the moment you get in here. You come walking through and there's a cafe. There's different things going on. There's prayer meetings in the morning. You are invited to go to prayer in the morning and in between services. Number one, you're invited to be discipled, to learn how to pray. That's in this church. Show up to the prayer meetings. You'll learn how to pray, and you'll be praying corporately. You'll be discipled and discipling because you're going to be praying for the church and praying for God's will to be done. You meet people there, so fellowship can happen there. It's your job to introduce yourself to people. Amen? Then we had the gentleman that got up here for announcements, and there's a card in the back of your CET. Man, I got it right here. Talks about... Fill this card out. We want to get to know you. Do you know they call people and most of the time people don't call them back? I'm just, I'm just keeping it real. What I want to see is what the richness of the church, the rich, it's full here. There's connect groups, life groups. I'm not sure what you call everything. There's life groups here. There's events here. There's a men's breakfast on Saturday I heard about. There's an opportunity for your children to get discipled and go to camp. There's marriage groups happening. I mean, what's not happening here? I'm sorry, where can you not get connected? I'm confused. I'm just confused. I'm just, I'm confused. Am I wrong? I'm just confused. So I'm telling you in love because some people have confidence issues. Some people have social, whatever it is you have. You got to step out. It's up to you to get connected. It's the church's job to provide the opportunity. Amen? Let's move on. The rewards. We're closing with this. Store up treasures in heaven. Ooh. What does your heavenly bank account look like? Matthew chapter 6, verse 20 through 21. Verse 20, store your treasures in heaven where moss and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Now, what does that mean? Let's, let's talk about the treasures because judgment day is going to come. Do you know there's going to be two judgments? There's going to be a white throne judgment that's judgment unto salvation. That determines whether your, your eternal destination. Where is your eternity? Is it heaven or hell? Your name is either written in the Lamb's book of life or not. You either said yes to Christ or you didn't. And I'm keeping it simple for sake of time. That's what that judgment is. But here's the second judgment. This is the judgment of believers, not judgment of your sin, because a believer is never judged based on their sin. Their sin is not held against them. This is not the sin that, oh, you made this sin, so you're going to hell. 
Judgment seat of Christ is rewards. Let me read you these scriptures. Romans chapter 14, verse 10 through 12 says this. For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Every day that we lived, we're going to have to give an account. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 tells us this. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things we've done while in the body, whether good or bad. In context, it is clear that both of these passages are talking about the rewards. That's what we need to be working for. And the main judgment for rewards is based on this. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Did you go make disciples of my people? Because if you weren't busy in your gifts, and you weren't busy living righteous, and you weren't busy building my kingdom, and if you weren't about my father's business, what did you do with all the blessings and the wealth and the health and the word and the gifts and the talents? What did you do with my abundance? What did you do with it? That's what you're going to be asking. Well, if you can't say, well, I discipled so-and-so, and I was serving on the worship team, and Lord, I was trying to give you everything I got, and Lord, I went, and I was helping people, and I was bringing people out, and I sit down, and I pray with my kids, and I sit down, and I disciple them, and I teach them the word of God. Well, if you're not doing that, what are you doing? I know what I was doing when I was not serving the Lord. So then I'm going to have to tell him that. You understand what I'm saying? So then there's going to be a judgment. It's a reward system. So he will reward us for our deeds. We don't earn salvation. It's not based on works. Rewards are based on works. And that is this judgment that every believer will have to receive. There's five crowns that we earn. I'm just going to mention them and you can study them at another time. There's five crowns. The imperishable crown. The crown of rejoicing, the crown of righteousness, the crown of glory, the crown of life. We earn these through our works. And these are found in these scriptures. And I'm saying this because this is being recorded. Amen? So you can go back and listen. You can find it in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. You can find it in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. James chapter 1, verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4. Revelation 2, verse 10, and James chapter 1, verse 12. The rewards are great, and they're forever. They're going to determine your position in heaven. They're going to determine your placement in heaven. They're going, to det- they're going to be with you for all eternity. The rewards of discipleship, the purpose of the church. Are you willing, church? We're done with the teaching. We're done with that. So now it's time to respond to the word of God as it is because God wants a response from when he is speaking through the messenger. He wants a response. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30. We also have a midweek service on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.